And when I looked closer, there was a, a Sasquatch face on the other side, and uh, it was looking right back in at us. Staring back at me is a silhouette of a very, very giant monkey. An intriguing discovery is being investigated in a community east of Seattle. Someone came across a lengthy trail of extremely large footprints. They are up there. Welcome, everyone. You've tuned into the Nicola Valley Bigfoot Podcast, a place where your encounters are told. To share your encounter and to be on the show, email me at nicolavalleybigfoot at gmail.com. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. All right. Uh, I grew up in a uh, northern... Indiana, in a small, or it's not small, a small town outside of Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, but it, it's probably about an hour, hour and a half away from south of Chicago. Uh, you know, grew up out in the woods pretty much. Our house, we lived on a dead end gravel road. The uh, At the end of the gravel road, there, well, we had a creek behind our house. It was Sugar Creek, and it ran into the Wabash River. And uh, the Wabash and Tippy River actually met right there close to where uh, I lived. And they call it River Junction. But grew up outdoors. Uh, you know, we we did gardens. And my dad taught me how to hunt and fish. And just an outdoorsman lifestyle my whole entire life. And, well, it was... The the area that we lived at, kind of give you a breakdown here, it was, we had some acreage there, but the acreage around it is really thick, really thick forest around it. And the doctor owned, it's hundreds of acres of just thick woods. We got cedar, you got all these, just, there's an old apple orchard back there, but nobody ever was allowed to go back in there and hunt. The doctor wouldn't allow nobody to hunt or anything, of course. With my parents' land being right in the middle of it, of course, I had access to everything there. And as a as as I grew up, you would never think of a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch. You always thought that stuff was, you know, you'd hear stories about it, but it's pretty much, you know, they they make a mockery of it, you know, just the public in general. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I grew up out there, and it was weird because you're programmed to believe that it's not real, especially in northern Indiana. I mean, you know, <laughs> cornfields and flat land. But it was, we started having some weird stuff happen. I never noticed anything until I was probably about middle school, but I had actually got out a little bit more out in the wilderness uh, with me and, you know, brothers and sisters and stuff. And... I never put two and two together because, of course, Bigfoot wasn't real, you know, back then. Sasquatch, nobody talked about it. And so you're programmed not to even look for that kind of stuff. But we would hear, we'd hear strange screams. We used to have, when I was younger, we didn't have an air conditioning unit. We had a uh, fan in the window during the summertime to pull the cool air in. And I can remember being probably in about, I was probably about seventh, eighth grade. remember hearing this scream and uh, my mom and sister, my oldest sister, they were kind of freaked out. They didn't know what it was. Something was, you know, making a scream and it was coming through the fan. You could hear it in, indoors in the house. And so, you know, didn't think much of it. We just thought some kind of wild animal out there. Didn't know what it was. And so... Then a little bit later on, as it kept going, you know, up through, there was, we'd go out and play in the woods. We'd find these huge, huge smashed down grass beds, and they had a nasty odor to them. And we figured it was just deer, you know, grouping together because these spots were huge. There were about four or five of them. And they would lay down, and it smashed the tall grass down. And we figured probably deer grouping together, get a bunch of them like that. It might have an odor. Well. As 
as time went on, uh, and up all the way up until I was probably in high school then, uh, started noticing when I was deer hunting a lot. And, or whenever we were out, like in the springtime, we'd hunt for uh, mushrooms or morels. And uh, we would hear strange screams and we couldn't identify it. And I know just about every single wildlife, you know, growing up in the area, uh, growing up hunting, fishing, knew just about every wildlife sound that was there. And we couldn't pinpoint what it was, but it never come out. Whatever it was, it would scream, but it wouldn't come out into the opening. But we're talking a really, really thick forest up there. And we're talking tall grass, uh, briars, like uh, raspberry bushes. We had lots, had a whole field of raspberry bushes. Uh, whenever we'd pick raspberries, actually, during the summertime, we would notice, like, trails, huge trails going through and I would get excited because I'd see something has been gone through there and it was actually like breaking the briars and it'd make a path for us to walk through and pick the raspberries. And some of the raspberries would be gone, but I, I assumed at the time I'm getting excited because I was a huge deer hunter. I'm like, all right, probably a big buck coming through here, eating this stuff that's busting through these briars, you know? So here I am all amped up for deer season to come around and I didn't put two and two together, but there was one one evening that my uh, little sister, the neighbor uh, boy, he lived way down the road from us, but he'd always ride his dirt bike down to our house because we lived, like I said, a gravel road, didn't have no neighbors, but he would ride his little dirt bike down to our house, and him and my little sister and my little brother would go out and play in the woods. Well, they got in trouble one time because it weren't supposed to leave our land, but they was clear out by the main road. We're talking, you know, miles away from the house. And, of course, they they had this story made up. Of course, my parents thought they were just making up a story because they got busted. They got in trouble for leaving our property. But they said a monster had chased them out of the woods. And they said that they heard something moving around in the woods. Uh, they thought it was deer, so they started throwing rocks, maybe kick them out, trying. So they could see him. That's when I guess my little sister had seen something uh, big and dark. And uh, she said it moved real fast. So they all started running. And it basically chased them out of the woods there. Then, you know, we just thought a couple of kids, they got in trouble. So they're making up stories, what my parents, you know, assumed. Just so they wouldn't get in trouble. They're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Well, as time would go on, uh, my parents had moved down south. And I had moved to Colorado after high school. Well, I'd moved back to up there to Indiana after I'd lived in Colorado for a summer. And I would always go back to the same old home place to uh, deer hunt every year. Well, it was, I was 21 at the time. And it was the fall, it was 1996, it was the weekend before Thanksgiving. I'd worked at a Subaru, and uh, we had offer Thanksgiving that week, and or I did, and I was going to come down south for Thanksgiving, but I always I wanted to get one one good hunt in up there at the old home place the weekend, you know, before I left that that Monday to come down here for vacation, and I got out there, I had it planned out where these deer would come through. They come through this trail every three or four days, and this area that I would sit at, it was on top of this little plateau. You go, you cross the creek, you go up this plateau, and it would sit up there on top of this hill. And there was a, a good worn-out deer trail that went from the creek up plateau up into going deep into the woods. And I would sit there and I'd wait for them to, you know, use that little deer path after they would come in and drink and I knew they're like I said every three or four days I knew they usually come through there in between 3 30 and 5 o'clock in the evening at about every three days and that day was set for them to come through well I get up there probably about 2 30 in the afternoon and I didn't hunt in a tree stand because it's too thick you couldn't hardly see nothing you had to be right up on this stuff to see it and 
lots of lots of cedar trees and there's saplings and I'm sitting at the side of the game trail up against this huge oak tree and I've got the leaves cleared out so it don't make no noise. Well, that afternoon I thought it was kinda of odd because the deer hadn't come through there and there was no wildlife. Uh I mean it was just inactive. No squirrels, nothing. I thought, man, it's an awful quiet afternoon. And as I'm sitting there, it starts to get dark. It's starting to get, you know, the sun's starting to go down. I'm thinking, well, it's a bust. I don't know why they, you know, I can't, maybe I calculated my days wrong or something. And as I'm getting up and I'm gathering my gear to walk back to my truck before it got too dark on me in there. And all of a sudden I hear a couple of sticks break. So kind of, you know, I was like, okay, hold on a second. And as I'm sitting there and I'm waiting, I'm like, okay, is there something coming? Well, I see see some trees moving. And these are like cedar trees and there's saplings mixed in, in with them in the clear spots of the cedars. And as it's getting closer, the trees are more movement. Now, right before I heard the stick break, this smell had come through the air. And it was a foul smell. I smelled. I, I smelled it plenty of times. Uh, never knew what it was, but it was a nasty odor, and it had come through the air, and it's still in the air, of course, while the trees and stuff were moving. And the odor got stronger, but the the trees and the the movement coming towards me got even more aggressive. So I thought, all right, there's a doe. She's got a buck that's trailing her. Uh, so I'm I'm getting really geared up. Then it starts really getting violent. I'm talking trees really shaking. You're hearing limbs snap and pop and break. And I'm like, oh, it's probably two bucks fighting over a doe. You know, I'm going to get to choose which one I want. So I'm getting my gun up and getting ready. And at that point, I hear this scream, and we've heard it before. But it was never this aggressive before. And it's a three-tone scream. It's a high pitch with a deep growl. And it cuts right through you. I mean, this was like, boom, it hit me. I was like, what in the world? Yeah, yeah. And as it's getting closer, um, I'm getting kind of, you know, anxious. I'm like, well, maybe I'll get to finally see what this thing is that we keep hearing, you know. As it got closer, there's a little gap. And it's less than 30 yards away from me. And there's like a 15-foot gap through the tall briars and the grass and in between the cedars. And that's when I seen it. And it moved. And it was it was graceful. It didn't make, I didn't, you couldn't hear a stick break. Or maybe I didn't. Maybe I was too focused on it. But I didn't notice any noise. But when I seen it, it had come through that 15-foot gap. And this was... It it was like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. it okay, you, have you ever seen a plastic bag get blown across like a Walmart parking lot or something? You know, when it gets loose and the wind just kind of blows and it just kind of glides across the parking lot. Oh, for sure, yeah. That's how this thing. That that's how this thing moved, and I could see it's. I could see like like arms. Now the the way the sun was sitting, I could only see. I could not see the uh, uh, actual face. I could see, I could see the silhouette. I could see where the sun had come down. I could see on the if you, it'd be on my left side if I'm looking at it, but it's right side. I could see where the sun had come down. So it was more. It was it was probably in between six seven foot tall. It was dark colored, and it had long hair, and it was. Uh, you could see the sun where on the shoulders. The arms uh, had long, lanky arms. It was skinny. Looked more like an orangutan. Didn't have the cone-shaped head, like the more Western, like Patty and stuff. This was more orangutan type. And it had the long hair on the side of the head. I could see the side of the head, but I could not see the face. It was dark, and I could see the shoulders, the outline of it, but I could really see the hair and it hanging on the right side of the. Uh, animal as it was hanging down there as it moved and 
I was confused because I, I was looking for something to be on all fours to come through that gap. And as it got through, I was scared, of course, too, because it, it just, it just, I don't know, I was in state of shock, you know. I'm like, well, what am I looking at? I was confused. As it got to the other side of the cedar tree, it had let out this scream, and I see the arm movement, and this huge stick comes flying past my head. And it lets up that blood-curdling scream. So I'm like, forget this. I'm out of here. This thing does not want me here. So I grab my grab my gear, gun in the other hand, and I take off hammering, running down the trail. As I get to this area, I have to slow down. And uh, to cross the creek there, I slow down. First thought in my head is this thing's going to catch me right here. So I turn around, I kind of raise my gun up to see if I'm going to have to shoot at this thing or what, but I didn't see it. But as soon as I stopped and turned around, it let out that scream again. So it could see me, but I didn't see it. So turned back around and flew, flew out of there, and I uh, got my truck and uh, took off. And I, I was living with a friend of mine at the time, and I show up there that evening and come in there and I sit down where I was living at, and he's like, you go hunting? I said, yeah. He says, he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, what do you mean? He said, something's wrong. I can tell you're, you know, something wrong with you. And he goes, do you see anything hunting? I said, yeah. He said, what did you see? He said, did you see a deer? Did you see a buck, you know? I'm like, no. He's like, what is it? And I was like, honestly, I don't know what I saw. I said, it sounds crazy. I said, but maybe a monster. I don't know. I said, I probably sound nuts, don't I? And he's like, no. He goes, I've been out there hunting with you before. I've heard the screams. He goes, it doesn't surprise me one bit. He said, every time it screamed, whenever we were out there, it'd give him chills and stuff. And he said, honestly, the only reason, you know, he was out there was because I was out there and he didn't. Here we are in our 20s, young 20s. You know, the whole uh, testosterone thing. He didn't want to sound like a wuss <laughs> around me is what he said. So... And and that right there is what really kicked off my whole research. It's not that I'm just curious of the animal. I'm not a fan of it. I need answers. Yeah. It gave me such trauma, you know, because you're looking at something that's not supposed to exist. Yeah. How, how long did it take you to kind of come to the realization that what you saw that day was it, it was indeed a Sasquatch? Like, was it immediate? Was it, you know, kind of doubting yourself over the course of a period of time? Or did it kind of come, you know, or was it just kind of a slow drip and then one day I was like, oh boy, that's what it was. Uh, actually, I was, it, I knew, I knew I'd seen something. I never questioned what I saw. What it was is what I questioned. So it got me thinking, okay, so I start looking into, because it was like a, it was like an orangutan is what it reminded me of, the shape of it. And it was lanky too. It was, it wasn't great big and huge it was in between six seven foot tall but it was the it was kind of lanky you know i guess disproportion the the arms seemed really long uh but i started looking into different like you know do we have monkeys i, I don't think we have any monkeys you know are there any uh primates in north america you know other than zoos and stuff so i started researching that way and that's when I started coming across, you know, the whole Bigfoot and the uh, 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 North America, you know, they, I believe back then they called it the wood ape or whatever, you know, another term for Bigfoot. Yeah. And so I started looking through all that and I, and that's where I started. Okay. I started out, I thought I knew everything about the wilderness, but I didn't apparently yeah. is what first thought was in my head. And so I start researching more and more, trying to figure out, you know, there's got to be a scientific explanation for what this was. Yeah. And so a lot of the it times... started out from there and I started taking uh, wildlife conservation courses, uh, learn how to track better, you know, all the North American animals, different sounds they make, different screams and so forth. Wow. You really dove deep into uh, trying to discover what exactly it was that you saw that day. Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, because it's like I said, it 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 changed my whole world. I mean, my whole life, everything that I, I your perception of the world is totally different now. Yeah, <laughs> well, 
believe me, I understand. <laughs> Once you have a quick glimpse uh, of even just a quick glimpse like I had with my own sighting, it was, it was enough for me to change my whole outlook on a lot of things. So I completely understand what the, what the direction is that you're coming from. They, they have this way of completely transforming everything you see. It's really weird. But uh, I want to ask you, you, like you must have speculated with yourself over the course of time, why this why it was so aggressive that day. Do you have any kind of idea why it decided that it was going to be so, um, why it was going to come at you the way it did? Well, at first I thought these things were just vicious animals, whatever, you know. But now that I've got, because that was back in 1996, but now that I've done 20 plus years of research, you know, and I've come to the conclusion that, okay, it was on the opposite side of the deer trail. We didn't hear any, any animal activity, no deer, no nothing. Now, a predator goes along, they take the high ground along a game trail. So I believe it was doing the same thing I was doing. It was waiting for a deer to come down through there. And it may have gotten mad at me because maybe I had my movement or something or my scent had scared them off. And I think it was just running me out of the, because that thing could have killed me if it wanted to. I mean, it could have, it could have got me, but it, it ran me out of there. And that's the first time it ever, all the, through the years past, we would hear it scream, stuff like that, but not aggressively. And I believe I, it was doing the same thing I was doing, and it was irritated that I was there doing that, like competition for food. So it, it ran me out of there. You know, as you were telling your story, that's kind of the direction I was going in my own head as well. It, it really sounded like you were, you imposed on its hunt as well. So I, I think, I, I think that you're probably right. You guys were kind of in the same same area at the same time or or wrong place at the wrong time if you want to look at it another way but wow what an account holy smokes so, yeah life-changing that's for sure yeah no kidding no kidding your research group is called the mountain empire cryptid cryptid research organization now now all of this stems from your encounter as you search for more and more information on on what you saw that day it kind of opened your mind to other avenues of cryptids. Can you tell us a little bit about how, how the group started and what you've discovered so far? Well, okay, yeah. I used to do because back then there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, social media wasn't that big, uh, stuff like that. It wasn't all that, uh, you know, out in the open like it is now. Uh, but I started, I started researching back then, and I, I did it you know, solo, uh, I would get some friends or somebody that, Hey, give me some info on this or that. And, uh, uh, one of my big, big first cases, I think was in 2003. And, uh, that taught me a lot. Actually, there was a, uh, a two week span in 2003 at the last week of October, first week of November in Campbell County, Tennessee, in La Follette, Jacksboro, uh, city, outside the city there in uh, Tennessee, and there was news reports. Every day, they had these news reports on uh, the whole, uh, uh, what these people had encountered, right? So I am, at the time, I'm looking into these cases, I'm seeing it on the news, and I noticed these people they would interview, they would the news people would kind of make a mockery of it. They would put these people out there that were, uh, you know, they were traumatized and they wanted to interview them, but they would pick the uneducated. They would pick, you know, just the hillbillies from the mountains is what they were trying to throw out there. Yeah. So people would laugh and make a mockery of it. You know, they would pick, I remember one interview that had this poor woman out there and she said that she, it was, out in her yard and she come out on the porch and it threw a, a cat at her and uh it screamed and she's like so i ran and ran in the house and uh got my gun and screamed and yelled and called the cops you know they just to make a mockery they put these people on the news and but i was investigating in that area at the time and when i start talking to witnesses 
I noticed that you could see a relief. They're like, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. I'm like, no, you know. Uh, you know, I've had my own uh, ordeal. So, and I could see where the people were uh, getting relief, you know, from telling their encounter without ridicule or mockery. And so as the years went on, I still, you know, independently researched. And I think it was probably back in 2017, I had seen a Bigfoot conference. And it was in a little library in uh, Harlan, Kentucky. And I show up there and I'm listening to these guys and I'm thinking, well, these guys, you know, they haven't been researching very long. Maybe I could help them out with, you know, my experience and what I know. And so as I talk to them, they're like, oh, yeah, okay, that's cool. Maybe you should come out to the woods with us and stuff. So uh, after that is when uh, uh, they they want to start up this group. And uh, I started up. Them, they're like, we need to get a group. It's Mountain Empire Cryptid Research Organization. And, of course, you know, I'm the head member. Uh, and, well, as time went on, they... Within time, they had, I don't know, issues, whatever, and so they quit researching, and I just kept the whole, I wanted to keep the group going. That way people could tell their encounters without ridicule, mockery, and it gives me a good spot to start investigating and helping these people and find my own answers as long, you know, help them with their answers. So that's how Mountain Empire Cryptid Research Organization got started. And what kind of information have you come across that you, you kind of weren't expecting in doing some, you know, field research or interviewing witnesses or anything that you've you've kind of been surprised about? Say just about everything, really. How far down the rabbit hole you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't keep it to just Sasquatch. I mean, you're looking into no, other things as well, right? Like, like the lizard man. Yes, there's yeah, lizard man. Uh, you've got you know the dog man. You got yeah, all kinds of stuff out there now. And I think a lot of people uh, distinguish Bigfoot. There's always, in these Bigfoot groups, you got these people said, oh, that's woo, that can't be possible. And you got this other people, it's flesh and blood. There are no, uh, you know, it's not, it's just an ape, it's just this and that. And you got the other side. But I think we're dealing with so many different, I've noticed there's different characteristics it just depends on what you want to consider Sasquatch. Uh, the Indians talked about the man in the woods, you know, the wilderness people, the, you know, they would mind speak with them, the spiritual side of it. Then you had the other type that was talking about these things are cannibals. I don't know if it'd be a cannibal if they ate humans, if they're not human, but they would come down, they would, you know, they were these terrible beasts that would eat women and children. And I've noticed, you know, you got different, different types of things out there, you know, and I keep finding more and more as we're, as the journey all through these years has gone on. Uh, you know, some of these things, people like prehistoric men, feral people. Yeah. Uh, I, with a lot of reports and sightings of those in the Smoky Mountains a lot. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's just grown from there. I've been skateboard swamp in Bishopville, South Carolina, hunting the lizard man. So, uh, you know, a reptilian that's six, seven foot tall with sightings in that area. So, you know, I mean, it just, like I said, depends on how far down the rabbit hole you want to go. <laughs> I know I'm a basic, I'm, I'm a pretty much a Sasquatch uh, related podcast, but I have to ask about this lizard man. Cause I, I don't really dive as far as you do in, in terms of researching that, but could you just give me just a brief synopsis on, on what lizard man typically what an encounter with a lizard man kind of entails or what people have seen? Well, uh, I'm trying to think of the boy's name. I think it was 1986. Uh, Chris something. I, I'd have to look it up. But in Bishopville, South Carolina, he worked at McDonald's. And he had worked uh, late shift. He was closing. His, he was on his drive home, and he was driving past Cape Horse Swamp. Well, he had a flat tire. So he gets out to change it in the middle of the night, like one in the morning, 
and he's changing. Just as he gets it done, he hears some kind of scream, and he looks over, and he claims there's this six-foot, seven-foot-tall lizard man with, like, these claws on its hands, and it's walking upright, bipedal. Well, it takes off running. He jumps in his car, and it jumps on his car. He's speeding. He's going trying to get this thing off. And he finally shakes it off, but he's got these scratches down the side of his car. Well, he goes home, and his parents, you know, they take him to the police station. And they report this being that he has seen. And they're like, what? You know, so they go, and they uh, look at the uh, the car. And he's got these scratches, you know, these claw marks down the side of his vehicle and stuff. Well, they give him a lie detector test, and he passed. He uh, passed it no problem. And so that's when the whole lizard man thing really became famous. And uh, and through that area, you know, you've had different reports, different people talking about this lizard man, kind of like being some people think it's a misidentified Sasquatch or a Bigfoot, which I did notice when I was in, I've been to Skateboard Swamp, twice now and a lot of the locals tell me there's lots of bigfoot reports and sightings in that area so maybe misinterpretation you know maybe it was green because it had from being in the nasty swamp or what we're not sure but they've had other reports too of the lizard man so i I interviewed a lady that's where it all originated really became famous anyhow yeah and it's in your book, and we'll we'll mention that before we we close out our interview today. But I interviewed a lady from New Mexico. Oh, geez, it must have been last year sometime. Um, but they were had some kind of monster. The best way they could describe it is a demon that would come and scratch the windows and and steal the rabbits and take the chickens. And it was it was kind of what you're describing with this lizard man. That's why I wanted to ask you about it because it's just really the similarities between the two are kind of. Uh, uh, too close for me not to bring it up. So that's why I was kind of wondering about it. Um, now, I want to ask you about Dogman. What kind of reports do you get about that? Well, actually, uh, the uh, the Dogman reports I've had, uh, the county I live in is actually like a huge hotbed. I, I get with the uh, local uh, veterinary clinic up here and they usually if they have livestock slaughters uh they will report it to me and uh of course there was just a couple of years ago uh, i think it's 2018 or 19 uh, time has gone by so quick uh i had within a two-week period two full-grown horses on one farm it was just thousand pound horse just slaughtered basically and then a week later week and a half later a mile down the road another horse was slaughtered and i'm asking the uh uh one farmer didn't want to have nothing to said no uh i don't need any type of people out here looking around on my land whatever you know he was an old man setting his ways the other people were more uh, willing to uh, share some info and the uh but the the animal control uh they had wrote up as a bear attack, but they told me they're like honestly i don't know I don't know what it was. They said this horse was just slaughtered, and the fence posts were bent, metal posts were bent uh you know that's a thousand pound animal, and that's a lot of risk for a predator to take to attack a horse or something because if they get kicked in the jaw broke the jaw, whatever you know they're gonna die in the wild. And I thought it was kind of strange. I'm like, you know, I've heard of cases of bears attacking, but they usually get ran out, ran out by horses, you know, out of these people's fields around here. Well, I had a bunch of witnesses. I had actually there's five witnesses, and they had two reports given to me in the past two years that they seen something that resembled in the same area. They didn't see it, you know, attacking anything, but they seen in the same area an animal that it wasn't a wolf. It was higher than the hood of the car. It was big. They said it had a tail, but it had jumped out into the road, and it resembled a hyena 
more than anything, but they said it wasn't a hyena. And they said what stood out to them, it was the upper body was bigger than the lower lower body. And they said it was canine-like. And it kind of had like a little bit of a mane up at the top of its upper body. Really bulky, but they said it was super quick. Wow. As soon as it jumped in the road, it, boom, it was gone. And I had another report of leaving the dumpsters. Uh, this man had seen it cross the four-lane highway and just like, maybe a second or you know two seconds at the most he said it was super fast it was just like as it ran out to the edge of the road he seems like what in the world is that and then it boom it was gone across the road super quick and so you know i start looking into this dog man uh and i look and there's a hyena type breed is what people claim what it is we don't know you know nobody's going to really know there's a lot of reports i've seen pictures of uh these farmers uh, at these conferences. That's why I like doing these conferences. You get a lot of eyewitness reports, and they don't like to tell people because they get made fun of, but they'll show you. Yeah. They'll say, look at this picture. What do I have here? And this one man had something looked like a German shepherd head. Uh, and if you look back, at, it resembled, actually, have you ever seen some of the Egyptian gods? You know, there's one that's got a canine dog-shaped head, and it resembled that in a way. Kind of like a Doberman or a German Shepherd head. Yeah, yeah. Is what the picture resembled, which was really interesting to me. Yeah, I, I did an interview with a gentleman not that long ago, actually, in, in which is and not that far away from where I live, um, who came across a dogman a few decades ago, and he kind of explained that it, it wasn't aggressive, but it, it it almost sneered at him, is how he put it, because it kind of tricked him that it, it snuck up on him without him realizing. Uh, and it, that's it, to the extent that his encounter went. Like it wasn't overly aggressive, but uh, uh, yeah, it, it's really, really weird. I'm I'm really starting to gain, gain more and more interest in in doing dog rap, dog man reports because I I really didn't think that they were this far north. I thought that was a southern U.S. thing. Um, maybe that's just because the aggression is more um, uh, reported down there. I'm I'm not sure. Is that kind of how you how it goes down there as well? Yeah, I'll, most of the reports. Uh that I get are aggressive. There was a, another horse slaughter uh, a couple years ago in this area off Norris Lake in Tennessee, and I had a friend that lived down there. They, these people, they didn't, they don't know anything about Bigfoot or anything like that or a dog man, but they'd sent me a picture of this track, and they said, we got some big wolves or something down here, and this track, it's a perfect track. They said it was eight inches long. Well, the the whole track they didn't put nothing next to it for size reference so i couldn't tell if it was eight inches or if they were exaggerating and i jokingly said it sounds like if it's eight inches you know uh canine track which i'm looking at the picture i said it's definitely canine um like you know eight inches that's a you got a werewolf down there or a, a dog man you know jokingly and they said you know they kind of laughed or whatever and I didn't take the, the size of it. I figured they were exaggerating. Well, I had a guy start working for me last year. And uh, he had found out what I'd done. Well, his brother-in-law has lived lives in the same area. And he had a report of a, uh, where this horse had been slaughtered or whatever. But he had, he said that there was like, he said it looked like a werewolf off the movies walking through his driveway, he bipedal. And he shows me these tracks. And the tracks, they had put something there for to measure, you know, they put a tape, they were eight and a half inches long. So my friend, a couple of years before then, that doesn't even know these people, had reported and sent me the picture of this track. And it's the same basic track that this other man had seen. So there's something definitely going on in that area. If I got two different people, witnesses that don't know each other, uh, their size comparison was very similar, which it could be a little bit bigger now if it's the same being, then it's grown maybe. Uh, but it was associated though with these livestock kills. Yeah. Did so, you, do you go out in the field yeah. and actually investigate these dogmen reports as well as Sasquatch? I mean, are you out in the field quite a bit? Yeah, I, I do everything. I do everything. I've been to, you've heard of the Beast of LBL. No, I, I haven't heard about that. Could you enlighten me a little bit? Okay. Uh, 
in, in I'm drawn to this area. It's the largest inland peninsula, or it's, it's guess they they made this in 1964. Kennedy had forced all these people from their homes in Tennessee and Kentucky, and they made it a park, and they called it Land Between the Lakes. But there has been reports of this dogman werewolf type animal in Land Between the Lakes, and it goes way back. Used to they had bison out there, and farmers would talk about something was killing their livestock. Uh, and then it really got famous here recently because some leaked stuff. Supposedly, a family in I believe it was 1982 in Land Between the Lakes, after it had become a park, that they had moved everybody out and uh, had got slaughtered camping there, apparently. And there's reports, you know, different stories. These cops were talking about it that had been there, and they said that the reports, the DNA come back is unknown canine, and it had, uh, there was, you know, blood and hair samples, and it just completely killed the family. Well, this area had also been known for other people being missing, and I had a report of a, uh, a bow hunter that was found dead, and something had bit through his bow, ripped through his tent, bit through his bow, because he used it to try and keep it from, I guess, biting, you know, getting him, but he snapped bit right through it. And uh, his body was found a mile away from his campsite. And on this creek, along this, and there, it ran between the lakes. And uh, I found out, I know uh, the Henderson family, they... They they live close to there, and they invited me out two years ago to, hey, come out here and check this out. We know where that body or whatever, you know, uh, was found. And what I noticed, what was really weird about that area was when I went in there, uh, went in their camp, uh, you go in, you have to get a permit to go in there to camp. So I got my permit, but whenever you go in there, they usually when you go camping somewhere, you tell the people, you know, the park or whatever, hey, you sign in. I'm going here to this area, whatever. They didn't want you to sign in. They didn't care if you signed in, didn't even care where you went, which I thought was really, really odd. Uh, I guess, you know, there's no documentation of you even being there that way. But I had went back to that area with his family and they had reports they had been ran out of there before, but that night that I was there, uh, we heard, I heard a lone coyote, uh, and it was trying to find the pack, and the pack responded, but then there was another howl, and it was a three-tone howl. Now, this were my wildlife conservation, you know, my courses and uh, stuff had kicked in, a wolf or a coyote makes a two-tone howl. This was making a three-tone howl. And it was it sounded a lot bigger than the coyote set of lungs or, you know, a wolf set of lungs. The wolf can go for a long time. And this was really deep, but it was a three-tone howl. And it was getting farther. It was going farther away, though. Every time it would do it, I could notice that it was getting farther away. So it was going down the creek where we were up the creek, it was going farther down the creek away from us. And they actually got the recordings, you know, of the house. Uh, but another thing that I noticed in that area, it's loaded with deer. I mean, the population deer is so thick. And I noticed at nighttime, most of, it, most of the deer population, you couldn't go just a couple of feet without seeing deer running out in the road. So all the wildlife, all the deer had moved to the roadside at nighttime, which I thought was kind of odd. Wow. Yeah, something's uh, something's not right in that picture there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I plan on going back as well. Holy smoke. I could talk to you about cryptids all day long. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you have a way of telling stories, <laughs> sir. <laughs> uh, but I want to, uh, let's get back into this, though. Let's talk about the book that you kind of co-authored here now. Um Okay. Lizard Man, Bigfoot, and Friends, and you can find it on Amazon, I'm assuming, or, or yes, Barnes, wherever you can find books, I'm sure you can find it. Um, yes. How long did that take, and was, was the book 
uh, entirely made up of witness accounts? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was witness accounts. Uh, just wanted something to get out there. It was for a lot of people were at these conferences. We had uh, a lot of people, you know, wanting to know about reports. And it was a, a young group was really interested. So it's more of a, a young adolescent book. Uh, but it's got different stories, of course, my encounters in there and other witness encounters from UFO to Lizard Man. It tells a little bit about the Lizard Man and so forth. And so we got that out there for people to, uh, you know, that wanted to hear reports and stuff like that. Now, in the future, I plan on uh, doing another book, uh, basically The Life of a Monster Hunter, because uh, it's, it's totally, it's a different turn, you know. Uh, but yeah. if I ever get time, I might, I might do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm wanting to more, you know, more in depth with the research and stuff, but yeah, but that whole book was just for the, the younger crowd to, you know, give them something that they can read and maybe can relate to some of their encounters or, you know, so on. Yeah. Kind of give them, take the edge off a little bit for them coming forward. Yeah, good idea. Very good idea. That that's uh, you know, just kind of maybe normalizing their people, other people's encounters, so that they wouldn't feel so uh, kind of afraid to tell their own sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right on. Well, Matthew, I got to say thank you so much for taking the time today to come on the show. Wow, I, I really enjoyed myself speaking with you today. So thank you so much. And um, now, if people want to find you on okay. social media, where can they find you? Well, you can, uh, uh, of course, uh, Facebook, Matthew Delp. And if my group is Mountain Empire Cryptid Research Organization. I just started a YouTube channel and got a lot, lot of uh, uh, videos I'm going to be uploading here within the next couple months. Uh, that's Matthew Delp, Badass Monster Hunter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Uh, either one of them or even on Facebook, they can just find me and shoot me a message or friend request. And then I'll, you know, whatever they want to go from there, I can help out with as much as possible. Yeah. And for the listeners, it's spelled D E L P H. Yes. Yeah. Matt, thank you again so much, sir. I really appreciate your time today. It's been a real pleasure for me to have you on the show. Uh, we we definitely got to stay in touch and you got to let me know more about this dog man encounters that you hear i really want okay, to know yeah more. definitely yeah for sure um for the listeners thank you for having me oh yeah absolutely the pleasure is all mine uh for the listeners if you guys want to hang around we're going to close out the show stay there hey and we're back everyone we are back to pull the pin on this one but before we do that of course, we got to give a huge thank you to Matthew for coming on the show today. Uh, Matthew Delp, that's D-E-L-P-H. The H is silent. Uh, but go check him out on YouTube. It's just Matthew Delp, D-E-L-P-H. Or you can check out his Facebook group, uh, Merco, or Macro, sorry, uh, Mountain Empire Cryptid Research Organization. Uh, go give him a look and give him a follow and uh, like his stuff. He's He's uh, got some interesting things going on over there. So uh, definitely go check it out on Facebook. And uh, his YouTube page has just started, so he's got a few videos up there. But I suggest you subscribe. I'm sure he's going to dive headfirst into uh, posting that content. So uh, go give him a look. Uh, let's see. We're going to make this one short and sweet today, guys. But, so we're going to get out of here soon. Um, but... Before we do that, of course, if you have had an encounter and you want to be on the show, uh, email me at Bigfoot at gmail.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-A, Bigfoot at gmail.com. You know what? I've been getting into a lot of... No, I, I shouldn't be getting into. I've always been into. I'm an 80s baby. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I've been really listening to some 80s music, so I think we're going to close out with one of my faves. Uh, yeah, just... Uh, I'm in one of those moods. It's... Uh, been really really cold lately uh it's been raining and, and actually up at work it's uh i work at higher elevation so it's snowing and uh, 80s music kind of gets me into a nice little groove so i'm going to end the show today with some kind of uh some kind of 80s tune i'm sure you guys will dig it i'm almost positive you'll dig it so uh uh with that 
uh, let's get out of here. Uh, but until next week, guys, I will talk to you later. Bye. Mm-hmm.